If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. I know we're the product boss and our love language is product business, but it's more than your product. So when you're looking at standing out in the market or having customers stick with you, it really is about everything around the product. It's the spin that you put on it. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. Where are my product-based business owners at? I know the community of makers and creators listening to this show is a mighty one. So I am thrilled to welcome two expert voices in the product-based space to speak to the unique challenges and opportunities that come with launching and growing a business around a physical product. Jacqueline Snyder and Mina Konlu-Sitap are the combined force behind the Product Boss podcast. Together, their goal is to change a landscape of product entrepreneurship and help product-based entrepreneurs grow and scale their businesses in an ever-changing landscape. In this conversation, Jacqueline and Mina are sharing their insider tips for leveraging the product-based space, how to prepare for business seasons like big retail holidays, their philosophy for should you discount or should you offer a sale, and advice for getting the most out of your email marketing efforts, like is a discount code really necessary to grow your list? We're diving into all of this and so much more. Are you ready for this chat with the product boss ladies themselves? Let's dive on in with Jacqueline and Mina. I love sharing podcast recommendations with you. If you love Gold Digger, then you'll love Nudge, hosted by Phil Agnew. Learn the science behind great marketing with bite-sized 20-minute episodes packed with practical advice from world-class marketers and behavioral scientists. Nudge is fast-paced and insightful with real-world examples that you can apply to your business. I loved this recent episode where Phil shares how our subconscious mind calls the shots and how to bring more awareness to your thoughts to help you not make stupid mistakes. His words, not mine. Nudge is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Listen to Nudge wherever you get your podcasts. So I was just telling Jacqueline and Mina that I feel like I am still very, very humble because I am recording this episode in my parked car in my garage, which is actually where this podcast was born. And so you two get to be a part of something that started many years ago. And honestly, I think the car studio sounds pretty darn good. What do you guys think? It does. You sound great over there. And (laughs) on top of it, you've had such a huge week. So I love when it's kind of getting grounded and centered and you really are back to your roots in the car. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. Someone asked me the other day, like, how do you stay grounded? And I was like, oh, trust me, the people in my life will never let my head get too big. And today Drew was like, oh, yeah, remember, I'm dropping my Jeep off and the girls and I are home. I'm like, oh, cool, cool. We got this. (laughs) So 
Now, we just talked about my origin story of the Gold Digger podcast, but I want to dive on into what is your origin story of your partnership? Tell me more about like how you two both ended up working together because I'm always so fascinated by partnerships and you two seem to have a really beautiful one. Thank you. So this is Jacqueline, by the way. Hello, friends. And, you know, I think I always thought I needed or wanted a partner, but I could never find that. You know, I think a lot of people out there, especially in entrepreneurship, feel very alone and wish that there was someone else to kind of, you know, bounce things off of. So Mina and I actually met through a podcast. So a bigger podcaster that we both listened to mentioned Mina on a podcast and said, you know, Mina's an expert at Amazon because Mina owns a company called Little Labels, which are labels for baby bottles and they're machine washable and they're sold on Amazon. She's like, but if she ever wanted to be a coach, she could coach on Amazon. So as I'm listening to this podcast episode, I, my ears ping because I'm a fashion designer by trade and I had an accessories brand that I was had my second kid and I was like, I can't run a consulting business and an accessories brand and all the things. So I wanted to liquidate it. And it was a time that Amazon was coming up and I reached out to Mina in this Facebook group and said, Hey, can I pick your brain on Amazon? And she was generous enough to jump on a coffee chat, those old old school Facebook coffee chats, and basically kind of coach me through whether or not Amazon was going to be the right choice for me and my product-based business. And what we realized very quickly was that we were able to become fast friends. And I think partially because we're both moms, our kids were very similar ages. We both had two-year-olds. But also, we spoke the same as we call it love language. So business is our love language. And to go even deeper, speaking about product-based businesses, because we realized that in you know a sea of podcasts and information education companies, it was all very geared towards service-based. And nobody was speaking to product-based business owners. So as we sort of went back and forth and chatted and talked about inventory and shipping and production and all the things that product-based businesses have to you know talk about, we realized that there must be other people in the world that needed the same sort of information. And so, you know, we took a leap and created the podcast. But I think first and foremost, we were two women that were in the same season of life that in a similar business and we wanted to collaborate, right? We were, we're all about collaboration over competition. And we were just like we were giving to each other. Mm, I love that. Mina, do you have anything to add to that? Like, how did you guys decide how the product boss would be born, created? Like, what was that origin story in like the actual work together? Because I love that it started on friendship. And I love that you shared that same passion. So how did you decide a podcast was it? And how was the product boss born? It actually happened super naturally. We actually ended up, uh, Jacqueline invited me to speak on a panel about Amazon. There's other experts on there. And like she said, we became really fast friends and we genuinely enjoyed each other's company. And so what happened was I was on that panel. I went to Los Angeles. It was actually the first time that we had ever met in person. So I could have, you know, catfished her really, but I did not. And, and I always say I could have been a psycho, but she can deal with my <laughs> kind not. of psycho. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Jacqueline was like, we should sell a mastermind at the end of it. So we actually ended up starting a mastermind called Multi-Stream Machine, which is actually our signature course now. So we came full circle as well. But it literally was, I was on the panel. We said, if anybody's interested and being in this virtual mastermind with us, meet us out in the hallway and we will get you all signed up. And we literally did it like bootstrap style, you know, meet us out in the hallway. We'll sign you up. We'll meet on Zoom every single week. So we were kind of ahead of the times in the way that we were doing masterminds online. But you know, the podcast really came after that. It came months after that when we realized there are a ton of people that don't have anywhere to turn for listening to podcasts. And honestly, we enjoyed podcasts. So it's where we had learned so many things. I really loved it as far as, you know, entertainment wise too, and getting to take a podcast wherever. So I actually was the one who did the tech version of it. We came up with episodes. That was how the podcast was born in that way. But really, it was we really showed up as we were, you know, so at that time, we thought, oh, are we late? You know, I think that some people think that too. Are we late to the game? And the answer is no. It's just whenever you need to start and show up as you are. You know, we laugh a ton on our podcast. We share our friendship, we share our lives, we share, you know, how we're building our businesses. And that's really, really has what's captured our audience in sticking with us is because they, you know, they say it's like sitting down at the table with a cup of coffee with friends. And that's really what's made us stand out is our spin on a product 
you know, product-based podcast, but that's how that was born was really, you know, sharing those conversations that Jacqueline and I would have in private really, and just putting it on the airwaves and, and realizing there was actually a whole world of people that felt alone as well. Ooh, I love that. You know, I got my start as a photographer. So in the service based business space. So will you walk me through what things are unique to the product based business space that aren't necessarily typical for a service based business? Such a good question. And so important to think about it. I think also for those of you that are service-based that want to maybe add a product, a product business yes. on, it's something to think about. So one of the biggest things is the startup costs. So a lot of times as a service-based business, you can put out a service and you can book one client, one customer and kind of get your business off the ground. For product-based businesses, there's a lot of money up front. There's the development and production of the actual physical product. I've helped over a thousand startup fashion brands in my own other business. And one time I remember a guy had said, he's like, so wait, you want me to spend $300,000 before I ever have proof of concept or sales? And I was like, well, for what you want to make, yeah. You know, so that 300,000 is not for everyone. It could be done in, you know, $5,000. It doesn't have to be a huge amount of money, but the idea is, is you have to make a product. You have to take photos of the product. You have to sit on inventory, which is a huge difference between service and product-based shipping, fulfillment, customer service. You're just dealing with physical goods that cost money upfront before they're ever sold. So it's beautiful because it's a creative process. A lot of people who are hobbyists or crafters, artists have been able to take sort of like you, Jenna, like if you decided that you wanted to sell your prints, right? You're able to take your artistic nature and make money off of them, which we love helping artists thrive as well as, you know, people who want to manufacture in a very sort of traditional way. But it's the idea of sitting on product and then having to fulfill it. I love that. I think it's such a great differentiation too. I was joking with you when I spoke with you guys, like my book feels like my first product in a long time that I have to push. And it is a very different way of doing business. And I don't even have the risk of inventory or things like that. But there are a lot of differences. You can obviously search and find many commonalities, many similarities. But at the same point too, for somebody that has this dream of creating a product, there's a lot more upfront risk that you have to really think about and plan for. And so one of the things that I think is so awesome about this time of year is that this is where retail spend is up. Speaking about products, this is where people are buying them the most. So what tips do you have for a product-based business owner who is navigating the holiday season rush, maybe even just for the first time? I think that the best tip is to prepare and plan ahead. A lot of times because we are in such a busy season when it comes to product base, because just remember, and I wanted to say a little bit about your book too, of, you know, that really is, and it's the beauty of having a product is it was a tangible form of what you created and brought to this world. And I think that that's what the joy of being a product boss is, is having that tangible version of having a physical product and saying, this is what I'm contributing to the world and how I'm doing it. And then for the holiday season, it gets really, really busy. And I think that people can get derailed really easily because it's their busy season. So we always tell people to work in your busy season. This is when you're, you know, busy in your business, doing the things, shipping, packing, marketing. But in your slow season, before that is when you stabilize, you know, you scale in your busy months and you stabilize in your quote unquote slow months of ramping up to your busy months. So for the holiday season, having a holiday plan, getting your workspace ready, getting your marketing plan ready, getting your product lineup ready, and really understanding that it's in the marketing of it too. Having your stories ready, having your customer persona ready, all these different things that we teach our product bosses in our different... We actually have like free challenges and free workshops that get everybody prepared for the holiday season because it's so important for people who own products to really be prepared and know the schedule of when things are going to roll out and when they're going to be making their money. Ooh, this is so good. And this brings up another thing that's usually different specifically for product-based versus service-based. But when I think about it, there are a lot of parallels is that there is this aspect of variable income, right? Like there are usually seasonal trends unless you have, you know, an outlier product that just sells consistently all year long. And so if somebody kind of notices that they're in an industry or their product kind of hits these different lulls throughout the year, how do you advise for them to prepare for like the busy season, but also to be ready for a slower season? Yeah, I mean, 
And it's so true. It's across the board as entrepreneurs, right? We're always going to have busy and slow seasons and times when we want to push and not. And the amazing thing is for product-based businesses, you know, the third and fourth quarter are typically the busiest. And just as like a fun fact that product-based business owners can make double the revenue they've made in the first three quarters, all in the fourth quarter of the year. So a huge amount of revenue is driven in the last part of the year. But let's say, for example, Mina's company, Little Labels, her biggest time of year is for back to school and camp season, right? So people aren't buying labels to, you know, label lunch boxes and baby bottles at Christmas time necessarily, but they need it when they're sending their kids to daycare. So we want you all to know about those important dates in your business and those important seasons or holidays or marketing events that make sense. We work with a lot of product businesses that are like, let's say we have one that's a knit hat company. This is a way to kind of address the question you're asking. She was putting her knit hats on sale at Cyber, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday time. But she has singular products and it's her busiest time of year. So putting that on sale at that point doesn't necessarily make sense because they need and want what she has. But potentially those sale times can happen after season, right? Like maybe when the season, when it's getting warmer outside. But the idea here is we have our signature course, like we said, multi-stream machine. And what we teach in that is multiple streams of revenue for a product-based business. And so this addresses those highs and lows. So when you know it's your busy season, maybe you're selling direct to consumer during the holiday season. Retailers who are buying wholesale from you have probably bought earlier in the year. So we want you to diversify the streams of revenue that you have and ways to generate revenue at different times of year. So in June, the hat company might be selling to boutiques and stores around the country and generating revenue then to project out for shipping during the holidays, right? Because they're going to sell direct to consumer. Now she's going to focus on direct to consumer during the holiday season. And then in times that it starts to dip or go low, that might be where she needs to think about marketing efforts, getting in front of other eyes, making it make sense. You know, she could sell to the other side of the world where in Australia it might be winter during the summer here. So it's really thinking about diversifying your revenue streams and diversifying the visibility platforms that you're on, which is what we teach. But we're not talking about diversifying your product lineup because Mina and I truly believe in leaning into your best sellers, like leaning into what sells. So until you've exhausted getting your best selling products on multiple platforms and being known for something, we wouldn't say, okay, you feel like it's a slow season. So this is a season that now you're going to come out with bathing suits because your hats don't sell. It's like, no, no. Let's figure out how to just continue to scale the product that we know that works well and sell it, double down on selling it when people want to buy it. And then when they're not, that might be where you stabilize or you think of alternative ways to sell. Ooh, I love that because I feel like a lot of people, their first inclination would be like, oh, I just need to get more products and figure out ways to sell a product each season. And I love how you're like, go deep, not wide. I think that's super powerful. Yeah, we really push towards being known for something, but you can come out and use your creative bone in your marketing channels, your sales channels, and really variations on your bestseller. So the reason why they're bestsellers is because people have told you with their wallets that they want them. Now they might want different variations of that or different bundling or different, you know, tiers of that. But really, you know, we always reference the Juicy Couture tracksuits that those women that were selling the Juicy Couture tracksuits, if you all remember what they were, they were kind of like these velour jumpsuits and they probably were so sick of it, but they came out with every color, every variation, short sleeve, long sleeve, you know, capri style, hooded, not hooded. And they were really probably pretty sick of creating more and more jumpsuits, but they later went on to sell their business for millions, multiple millions of dollars. And you know, and this was before. So it's now it's probably like worth billions, but they really did it by going deep in that wide and really focusing on what their customers wanted and what they could provide for them and made it a, you know, a want and desire of theirs. Oh, that's so good. Okay. I want to know, so this is something just that popped into my brain as you guys were sharing. If somebody has an idea for a product, you know, it does feel slightly risky to go out and maybe get a mold made or, you know, do a big order. Are there any ways to test the market to ensure that you have a product that will sell that your audience is willing to purchase before you go all in on something? Do you have any advice on that? Yeah, really great question. And, you know, I think we are both investors in light pink with Lori Harder. Yes. And she's a really good example of minimal viable product. So 
I think that what we want you to think about is, is there a customer there for what you need? And so a lot of times people jump in and they make something right away or they start to source a manufacturer, which I like in the way of, is this product possible? But if you're thinking about this, like I have a client that I worked with that was doing equestrian apparel for teenage girls. Now it was during the pandemic. So there was nothing but issues and trying to get this product developed and produced and photographed and all the things that go into the startup of a brand. So instead, what we did is we started sort of creating community online. So she jumped onto Instagram. She started posting content that made sense. She started attracting the right customers. So posts that made sense to teens and tween equestrian writers, showing you know other writers that wore certain outfits, getting feedback, putting surveys, having a little meet and greet panels with them and asking them what they need. And then in the development process of it all, so they had said, yeah, we need leggings. We're looking for this kind of shirt. They liked what she was selling. We started selling to them just little things like, because we had nothing to sell, little charms that they could put on the horse's bridle, maybe some sweatshirts with a company name on it to really sort of, once she had developed the community, they were able to buy into the brand. But then as she started to develop the collection, she resourced them. So she's like, Hey, there's these five colors I'm thinking about for these leggings. What do you think? And then they start to buy into the business before it's ever sold because they're like, Oh, we're a part of this. We're part of building this really great brand. They would start to message her and say, Hey, you know, we saw this or you should reach out to this, you know, equestrian influencer. She'd be great to talk about your company. And so before she ever had a product to sell, she had people to sell to. And she proved the viability of it by talking about and creating it. So I think that's the beauty of social media that we have this access to our customers worldwide. And it's about building that community before the product's even there. And then they're waiting for it and they're willing to buy. I know something about you. You're busy. Chances are that you're listening to this podcast and you're probably doing something else too. Mastering the art of working out, walking the baby in the stroller, washing that sink full of dishes. And honestly, we get it. When you're having conversations with your customers, the same is probably true for them. They're juggling just as much. And it can be hard to give a true experience in just a moment, especially when we're all so distracted. HubSpot helps you go beyond the moment by connecting you and your team so you can access all the data you need to see the full customer picture, what motivates them, what their expectations are, and how you can blow them out of the water with your service. With powerful tools that connect marketing, sales, ops, and service, HubSpot's powerful CRM platform powers you and your team to transform customer moments into extraordinary customer experiences. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. Gold diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. Oh, that's so... So good. Okay. So when we think about promotions, a lot of times people think about discounting or offering a big flash sale. And I know that a lot of people in this season of the holidays, specifically when you look at things like Black Friday and Cyber Monday, there's this massive pressure to discount or offer a huge sale. 
Do you have any sort of philosophy around the topics of discounting and sales for product-based businesses? We do. <laughs> I'll jump in really quick and just say that we run a challenge every year called Rock Your Holiday Promotions Challenge. And you know, tens of thousands of product-based business owners go through it. And if you want to listen to day one, it is episode 293 on the Product Boss podcast, which we talk about the important holiday dates for every product-based business. But it's this thing where people think that they need to offer a discount versus create a promotion. And there's a difference. I'm going to let Mina jump in on that. Yeah, we definitely fully believe in having promotions, right? Those are offers that you make enticing. It's like a carrot to dangle, but there's more carrots to dangle than just a discount, right? And also we really focus on profitability with our students. So are you profitable? So if the, if you're going to offer a discount, could you make it be a bundle of your bestseller? Let's just say and make sure that your profit margin is there. And then it, you're giving more value, but at a discount that sort of version because it's perceived value at that point of th that they're buying and but you're still very profitable and you can keep pushing that bundle there's other things like early access that's another carrot to dangle versus a discount and a let's just say you know there's the urgency with there's limited quantity so urgency and scarcity but i think that a lot of product people think that they have to go only towards a discount. But there's plenty of things as long as you wrap it up in the right marketing that you make it really enticing. You make it where it's, you know, an irresistible offer that it's not the discount because that makes it kind of a, a race to the bottom. But how can you market and package your goods in a way that's still very profitable to you, but really enticing to your customer as well. And I think that that is the focus that really makes a difference in, in a small business being sustainable and thriving through the holiday season versus one that is solely focused on pricing alone as the driver for their marketing. Ooh, and Jen, I, I just wanted that. to add in that the other flip side to this coin is that we're in it right now. Product bosses are in that holiday season where we're heading into Black Friday, Cyber Monday week. And we get this in our challenge. People ask us this question. Well, if I discount my products, am I training my customers to think that they can always buy at a discount? And then there's other people that only discount and they only drive sales if it's discounted all the time. What we do want to say is typically this time of year, the holiday season, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Cyber Week, as they call it, the expectation is that there are sales. The expectation is that there are discounts. Does it have to be on everything? No. Does it have to be on your bestseller? No. Can you get creative and create bundles? Absolutely. So for example, luxury goods don't typically go on sale. You're not going to be able to go buy you know, a David Yerman bracelet on sale at Black Friday. It just is always going to stay at that price. So we have students that never sell and maybe they have a friends and family sale once a year. And then we have other people that participate in the marketing of this event. It turns out to be really big revenue driver, but it can be what you want it to be. I just don't... It's not going to train your customers. The expectation is actually the flip side. They're going to buy and look for sales during Cyber Week. Other times of year, you don't have to do promotions unless you're clearancing out or like sales unless you're clearancing out. You know, summer items are going on sale now because we're transitioning into the fall. So that's when sales are truly meant to be discounted. Mm -hmm. And it could be free shipping. It could be getting a gift card with purchase. There's different ways that you could present your offer to the world. We actually have a free shipping threshold calculator that we teach our students where what is the threshold that you're still profitable that you can offer free shipping? Because sometimes you know, product bosses, they'll, they'll put out a number willy nilly. And it's like, if you're offering free shipping, which is expected, you know, most people, it was something like 80% of consumers will put more into their cart versus pay for shipping, right? 80% is a big number. So they expect free shipping at this point, but what is the number that you push them to where it's like, you get free shipping at X dollars. And so we have this calculator for them that is it $50? Is it $60 with taking into account that you have to pay for that shipping? So that way they can really focus on knowing their numbers and understanding that at the end of the day, they want to be profitable, even if it means selling out on the, all the inventory and, and then not being busy for the sake of being busy, but really being profitable and making good business decisions. That brings up something that this made me think of and I've actually had 
product based businesses from time to time when I had my watercolor print shop, when I had my necklaces and tote bags and pins. And one thing that I found, and I'm curious what you guys think about this, and it's totally okay if you disagree. But when it comes to products, you know, for most of us, our products are available all the time. So it's like, how do we create excitement or a reason to promote it? more intensely for a focused amount of time. Even with our affiliate partnerships, we found that like if we do a concentrated push for 24 hours or 48 hours, or even just like one week long, we will do more in sales than if we just kind of set things on autopilot and don't really give it like the breath. And I think something that's really cool about doing more focused promotions, whether it's around the holiday or not, is it really forces you to get creative and also create more marketing assets and like a different angle on how you're promoting the product. Do you guys agree with that? Because I've just found when it comes to products for me, the biggest needle drivers are when we really focus on some sort of campaign and it doesn't have to be a sale or discount. It could be an addition or bonus like you spoke about, but having some more of like a focused time frame and some sense of urgency to make a purchasing decision. Absolutely. People buy what you tell them to buy. I think that's one of the hardest things that I think people don't realize is that there's decision fatigue out there. Customers want to know what should I buy? That's why we have mannequins in you know department stores. It's like, oh, that's an outfit. And that inspires decision making. The focused, I think, scarcity and time. Those are two things that we teach that scarcity is important. So scarcity of time or scarcity of product, especially, you know, going into times in the economy where things sometimes feel a little bit more like a struggle than they they do in other times. The idea is like, how do you drive that scarcity? Oh, there's a limited amount of these. Get them now. You know, selling out quick. But I think the general idea around your question, and if you follow any other sort of bigger brands, they might do a big launch and say like, the winter collection is here, right? Oh, yay. Winter collection is here. Welcome. New styles dropped. Take a look. But then as you start to see them focus in on their marketing efforts, they may then focus on sweaters. It might be sweater week. And then all of a sudden, they're going to talk all about the sweaters. And then they're going to focus on the different colors or variations. They might show how the sweaters are styled. Then the next week, they might go into sweatpants or how to create the ultimate winter outfit. So I think it's taking... It's the same idea in podcasting, right? Or content creators where you take this bigger piece of content and break it down into little micro pieces of content and you repurpose and you pull it apart and say, what do my customers need to know? Because another example of one of our students, she sells handmade pottery. She's amazing at it. She sells out every single time she has a drop or a launch. She cannot keep things in stock. But she had this one giant lemon pottery bowl that was maybe like $350 and it was on the higher price point side. And she kept telling us like, I can't sell this bowl. And we said to her, have you talked about the bowl? Like all you have to do is talk about it, <laughs> share it, go on, do a live or a story and share this lemon bowl and, and show why you love it. She sold it in seconds. So oh the idea is, is like she yes. may have presented the lemon collection, but this one bowl wasn't moving. So let's pull that bowl out and talk about that bowl and why you love it. And then you're going to move that product. So again, I think I want everyone to just think my customers want me to tell them what to buy. And so whatever you yeah. want to sell that week, or that month or that season, talk about it. And then can I add something too on that of it being the reason why launches work the way of what Jacqueline's saying of like spotlighting or featuring products, even if it's not at a discount too, is because people are buying more than your product. They're buying an experience. So for example, you know, the way that you offer something, the hype that you bring, a blitz is what we call it, where a whole bunch of people are talking about it. So let's say you have influencers or you have a launch team or, and when I say launch, I simply mean like whatever offer, it can be a say Halloween sale or something, or, you know, Christmas sale, or it doesn't have to be like this big launch, but people will buy into the experience of that event because then you can offer up the social proof. You can show the reviews. You really are addressing all the hurdles during that time and the obstacles of getting them to buy. And that's why they buy because you're showing them exactly how to buy from you that they need it right now and that everybody else is doing it too. So it really is more than just having the product on the virtual shelf. It's really pushing the traffic and, and removing all the obstacles in the way and getting everybody else into the excitement of that as well. 
I know what it's like to feel completely thrown off your game because you're just not motivated or your mind isn't in the right space. That's why I'm thrilled to tell you all about superhuman activations. Now, if meditation isn't for you, you need to try activations instead. Activations are a groundbreaking new type of audio that's this mix of a motivational podcast, cinematic music, and guided visualization. They are fundamentally different from meditation and a lot more exciting to listen to. Instead of calming you, activations are motivating, energizing, and transformative. You'll reach your goals faster whether you want to earn more money, get clarity, achieve a health goal, or feel like you're reaching your highest potential. They're essentially a shortcut to get to where you want to be and the ultimate way to visualize your future self. And you can only find them on the superhuman app. I use and love superhuman and find myself playing activations several times a day, whether I'm baking bread, doing my skincare, or even when I'm in the shower. Superhuman offers something completely different to other apps out there. And I cannot wait for you to try them. Take advantage of their 14 day free trial and head over to activations.com forward slash gold digger to start your trial and save over 60% off your membership. There is literally no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The discount is only available through their website, not the app store. So visit activations.com forward slash gold digger now for over 60% off. Do not miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts and it expires soon. That's activations.com forward slash gold digger. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, yes. Okay. This is the question I'm so excited to ask you because you both know I am obsessed with email marketing, right? We've talked about different ways we can promote a product or teach people how to purchase it, share why they need it. One of the questions that I see pop up in the Gold Digger Facebook community a lot is how can a product-based business leverage email marketing? Specifically, what makes a good opt-in for a product-based business? Is a coupon or discount code the only way or do you have any other ideas around this? This is probably, I feel like one of the reasons we started the product boss (laughs) was a topic like this. So I remember listening to podcasts, probably you as well, Jenna. And it was like, oh, build your email list, build your email list. How do you build your email list? You have an opt-in. And it was sort of like, okay, everyone's offering, you know, free downloads, worksheets, you know, this side or the other. And I was like, it doesn't make sense for physical products. I mean, certain physical products it may, but this isn't how it's done in you know, e-commerce and product-based businesses. So Mina, do you want to jump into this one? 
Yeah, I think that this is one of the reason why Jacqueline brought up that it was kind of one of the topics we first addressed. It was because a lot of times people started listening to us because they would listen to service base and have to flip the information. But the thing with product base is that the carrot that you do have to typically dangle is a discount because the general consumer is expecting a discount on that first offer right? They're not usually expecting a 150 recipes. Now that is a good one for existing customers or maybe a A AB test of growing your email list. But typically it is some sort of discount that you can get that lead acquisition. That's the hardest part for product small businesses to wrap their minds around a lot of times is that they think that that strategy is because of you know, a race to the bottom of pricing, but really it's a marketing budget lead acquisition strategy play, you know, instead of discounting your product in that way, you're literally making sure you have enough margins because otherwise, how are you going to get new eyes on your business? How are they even going to know you exist? Well, you need to be able to get them on your email list to follow up with them on the sales. And so that 15% really is like acquiring that lead, which is a really hard part. You know, a lot of times with product people, they think, oh, if I build it, they will just come. But that it just isn't true. You need to actually say, we like to say, you know, you're like a star in the universe. How are people going to know you exist? You have to push the traffic or acquire them. And usually the opt-in is 15%, let's say, for that first order. And that's commonplace. Now, if you're a more established brand, it is less and less likely that you have to have that opt-in. So for example, if you're an established brand, you know, we give the example of Dagny Dover. They're an amazing bag yeah, I brand. I have their they bag right next green. to me. I love <laughs> oh, them. Awesome. Same. They are started by three women and they don't give discounts as their opt-in. I believe their discount is early access to the drops. And the drops are not completely different products. They they are drops on different colors, seasonal colors. So you know that I may have gotten a 10% off, but but I mm-hmm. think but twofold here with Mina, what she's saying too is that okay, so to answer your question, Jenna, yes, I think the discount is a opt-in because you have to think about the customer's objections. And if they're gonna buy online, now this isn't like come into my store and get 10% off your first purchase in my store. But when it's online, the risk is greater. They've never touched it, tasted it smelled it, experienced it. So in order to get them to overcome that hurdle and purchase from you, they would like that discount. It could be exclusions apply. Like you'll see that on furniture stores. You know, there'll be certain things that you get, but you can't get a couch 10% off. The secondary part, what Mina said about the 150 recipes, we've seen that work for, we work with a student that has a meal planner for moms. And so her opt-in could be because she's got a singular product, you know, 10 quick and easy recipes to make for your family when you're a working mom. And then that could be more of the traditional get this download opt-in and then you can start to market to them why they need your journal. Other things like Mina was saying was the exclusive access. So as you get bigger or depending on what your brand is, it might be exclusive access to early drops. So Dagny Dover does that. You know, it's like you get 24-hour early access to buy this before the whole world gets it. So you can get creative in those opt-ins and like Mina said, always test and try. But to be honest, the discount typically works and it has to be a discount that that feels motivating. We even talk about that in abandoned cart sequences for product-based businesses that sometimes in the abandoned cart, it might be dangling a discount, $5 off, free shipping, something like that to get them to actually transact with you because it is, I think, 80% easier or more likely that a customer will return and buy again than trying to acquire new customers. So if you can just get that customer on the front end, then your job gets easier selling to them over and over in the future. I was just going to say that there are so many times when I'm buying something and then I go to checkout and I see that they have a coupon code field. And then I'm like, oh, I should see if there are any active coupons. And then I do that and I get sidetracked and I never go and finish the sale or I don't see any coupons. And then it gives me that pause of like, do I really need this thing? Is this really worth it enough? So I love that. And I also think too about like the cost of acquiring a customer. Like I spend money on Facebook ads to acquire new email subscribers. And so when you look at it, like the online marketing world says that 
for every email subscriber that's generally speaking one extra dollar of revenue per month into your bank account. So yes, it might cost you a little bit, but when you look at the lifetime value and also just the cost of acquiring that subscriber, it's generally worth it to do something like that. Right. And when you do the math, so again, going back to knowing your numbers of if you have a product that costs not that much, let's say, for example, my labels, right? If I'm going to be doing a 10% off, 15% off, even 20% off, the math of that comes up to less than lead acquisition on Facebook ads, because from all the Facebook agencies that we've talked to, they all say, make sure that you can find at least $50 on the back end. Meaning if your product can somehow be the lifetime value of $50, then it's worth it to have acquired them through your Facebook ads. Now, can I make my labels be $50 or more? I mean, currently one pack is $10, but they would have to buy a five pack and be likely to buy that in you know their lifetime value. And I wasn't actually able to make that. So you have to know like the numbers of if your product is you know low price that you would be able to make up that lead acquisition it has to be worth it is what i'm trying to get to so when you look at it apples to apples comparing you know the lead acquisition the coupon actually is the easier more frictionless way to go than having acquired them through the facebook ads but trying to push them to you know make up for that in the $50 or over sale purchase point Does that make sense? Yes. Yep. Yep. Okay. So final question. What do you want our listeners to know about the product-based business space? What is something that might surprise them or invite them or encourage them? What do you want them to know? I think one big thing that I would love everybody to take away from today is that it's more than your product. I know we're the product boss and our love language is product business, but it's more than your product. So when you're looking at standing out in the market or having customers stick with you, it really is about everything around the product. It's the spin that you put on it. You know, so even if it's this candle versus that candle, what makes it your candle that they're willing to buy? Well, it usually has to do with the small business owner and how they've marketed it, how they've shown, you know, how they've addressed the obstacles, what their customer service looks like, what the brand represents. And so that really is the way to really have your business thrive is to really think about the end customer and really understanding that it's more than the product that they're buying. It's everything around the product as well. Anything to add, Jacqueline? (laughs) Yeah, I would say, and we've seen this happen, unfortunately, I mean, 2020 was a perfect example, but not to have all your eggs in one basket. So for product-based business owners, I mean, we work with a lot of makers that got their start on Etsy and Etsy is fantastic for kind of being also frictionless to getting up and running and selling a product. But the idea here is we've seen Etsy go down. We've seen Amazon go down during the pandemic. Facebook and Instagram crashed at some point. You know, all these times where we've, (laughs) the universe has shook us by our shoulders and said, Hey, if this is your only way of reaching in your customers or selling to your customers, you're going to need to diversify. And I think that's why we've been so successful in teaching our students about multiple streams of revenue, multiple streams of visibility. So I want you all to think, we don't believe that you need to have, you know, like we said, it's not about tons of products and tons of places. It's taking your best sellers, getting them onto more platforms and scaling that, like we said, go deep and not wide and have those opportunities. So if something got knocked out, the other thing I want to say is that that 80, 20 rule, 80% of your revenue can be driven by 20% of your products. So for those of you out there that look at your product lineup and you really do the work in terms of what your best sellers are, you can see, oh, wow. Like a lot of times we get caught up in the minutia of, well, people told me they wanted in blue. Well, how many did you sell last year? Three, you know? And so it's like, well, no, they, they told you, but they didn't actually buy it. So what are they buying? And how do you scale with that? And how do you get that wholesale, direct-to-consumer, in-person events, selling on Amazon, if that's right for you? What are you talking about on social media? What are you talking about in email? And it's not all the stuff that they don't want to buy. It's the stuff they do want to buy that's going to drive the revenue. Oh, so good. Okay. Where can everybody find you, listen to your show, learn more about you and how you serve product-based businesses? Give me all the places. 
Amazing. So we are at The Product Boss on all social channels. We're also The Product Boss Podcast, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we wanted to give your listeners something as we're in the holiday times right now. We wanted to offer them The Product Boss's Guide to Getting Holiday Ready Checklist. So really to check what they're doing, make sure that they feel ready for the influx of sales, the production, the shipping, all the things that they're going to have to really focus in on. So if they head to theproductboss.com slash digger, you can get that product boss's guide to getting holiday ready checklist for free. Amazing. Thank you both so much. This was such a delight. And I feel like this was a master class for product based business owners. Thanks so much, Jenna. That show was so enlightening. Now I know a ton about service based businesses, but I learned a lot in this conversation. I hope you did too. I mean, having products is a really big undertaking. And so if you are a product-based business, congratulations. You've jumped through so many hurdles to get your product out into the world. I hope today's show was enlightening and inspiring. I can't wait to see what you do with this information. And of course, until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.